Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Yes, this is special coverage of the election being called for Joe Biden on WNYC. I'm Brian Lehrer with Kai Wright, host of the United States of Anxiety here on WNYC. And around New York City, do we have this sound? You could open your windows and hear or participate in this. So listeners, you've been hearing this news the last hour and a half or so. All the networks, including Fox, now calling the election based on the math. So this hour is largely for you. Don't call in and honk your car horns. Don't bring out your tutors and tweeters and whatever those horns are that you bring to the ball games. But how are you feeling? Democrats, joy, eagerness, optimism, relief. Anxiety still because Trump is not conceding and this is not over in court. Trump actually tweeted that he won the election right after the networks called it for Biden. But anything you want to say, we can continue to bring you information and analysis. 646-435-7280 as we're going to just invite you to uh, start firing up your phones and we'll fire up our phones at 646 646- 435-7280 or tweet at Brian Lehrer and hello, Kai Wright. Hello, Brian. I tell you, it's, it is it is these moments in New York City where you're just reminded of all the humanity here, um, you know, setting aside all ideology in this. There's just, there's there's been these moments in our time where just folks pour into the streets and want to be together and be with each other. Uh, and, you know, after four years of acrimony and, you know, I think certainly after three or four days, I don't even know how many days it's been now. I've lost count since Tuesday <laughs> of waiting right. in suspense for an outcome to this. Uh, we are seeing uh, certainly the city, but all over the region, it seems like people just dying to be together. And, you know, in this year of any joy being mixed with all kinds of sorrow, the first thing the celebration sounded like when I heard it out my window, it's going out on my going on uh, or was outside my window um, in Upper Manhattan, the first thing it reminded me of was the seven o'clock thank yous yeah. in the early weeks of the pandemic. But then I remembered that it also sounded like when the Yankees or Mets won the World <laughs> Series. And the fact that those two things could coexist, I think, reflects something about how ambivalent a year, uh, you know, any joy yeah. is, uh, a- a- any joy takes place in this year. Yeah. And it's been, you know, a pregnant few days with that, you know, in that regard, you know, it's still, you know, I think a lot of people were certainly Democrats, but a lot of people, period, were just um, 
so frustrated to not have closure on this process over the last few days. And in some ways, um, you know, you, at least for some people, you can argue there still isn't closure. The president said the president is not planning to concede. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, has, uh, who is the president's personal lawyer, has said that they plan to uh, mount, continue mounting their legal battles. Uh, there is no indication that any of those legal battles have any ground thus far. Um, but uh, that that still leaves it open for a lot of folks, right, that, that there still is enclosure. So I don't know. I mean, I, and I think when you add the coronavirus to it as well, also where we can't seem to get closure, so many people, we didn't think we would still be operating. We wouldn't be living the way we are now um, six months ago. So I think for a lot of people just to try to get towards closure on anything in our lives right now uh, and this election being it, uh, I, I think that's a lot of the emotion we're seeing out in the streets. Right. And I said that Democrats uh, can call in with your mix of emotions right now. Obviously, in blue New York, 80% or whatever it is of people voted for Joe Biden, but 20% of you voted for Donald Trump. And in the New York City suburbs, uh, more than 20% of you voted for Donald Trump. So you can also call in and say, how are you feeling right now? Do you feel like your block is now going to be overrun by crime and Communism, because Joe Biden was elected, you know, that was some of the, the campaign rhetoric. Uh, but obviously, if you didn't vote for Joe Biden, if you did vote for Donald Trump, you have trepidations about something. And you can call in with those, too. Of course, 646-435-7280, 646-435-7280, or tweet at Brian Lehrer. Um, Kai, you know, part of the complex mix of feelings, I think, has to come from the fact that it isn't over in the way it was, let's say, after 2008. Do you remember where you were when the election of Barack Obama was called? Such an explosion in the streets, and certainly that happened out my window, too, at that time. (laughs) Um, But for people who voted for Obama, you know, so much joy, so much optimism for hope and change, uh, and go back to any presidential election you want, we do still have this situation where the networks don't really get to call an election. The Electoral College gets to call an election, and state by state, they have to certify the results when all the votes are counted, and they haven't done that in any state yet. That's still at least days away. And there are going to be court challenges. And we don't know what's going to happen in the streets on behalf of Trump. So it's not really over. It's not. It's funny. First off, when you say 2008, I, where I was, was alone in a hotel room in Richmond, Virginia, uh, filing my story on, from the polls uh, for the route dot com. Uh, and I remember feeling like, oh, I didn't get to participate in all the like a hoopla that everybody else has a memory of. I was busy working. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I think is super interesting here is that. The way this has been mediated, you know, I mean, when you look at the numbers themselves over time, even over the last few days, you know, it, this has been heading in this direction and the numbers are really quite strong. I mean, Joe Biden is headed to 80 million votes uh, as as NPR has been reporting this morning. And so I, I have seen amongst that 80 percent of people uh, in the region who voted for Joe Biden uh, in my life, just this inability to believe it. You know, just this inability to believe that it could be true and holding their breath and waiting to see can it actually happen, even though the numbers have been since 
Wednesday morning at the latest, very clear about where this was headed. Uh, and, and I think that's just something interesting to think about. Um, and um, that will both in terms of the weirdness of this year, but also that just might be with us for a while. Um, that uh, I wonder if it, if it has something to do with having lived in this world where we couldn't agree on the most basic set of facts for so for the last four years um, uh, or couldn't establish that there were a basic set of facts for the last four years. If there's something about that that made it hard, that even as we were looking at the uh, at, at very clear numbers that people just couldn't take it in emotionally, that this might be where we were headed. Let's go to Aviva in Manhattan and see what she has to say. Hello, Aviva. You're on WNYC. Hi, I am so joyful. <laughs> I think we have been liberated from the domestic abuser. He tried to teach us learned helplessness, and we would not take the lesson. Mm. I am thrilled. Thank you very much. I'm uh, just going to go right to another caller. How about Matt in Jersey City or on WNYC? Hi, Matt. Hey, Brian. Great to talk to you. Um, I was just saying how uh, we were downtown in the Hamilton Park area, just like enjoying the weather when it was called, and everybody just poured out of the brownstones. It's a very like Park Slope kind of neighborhood for people who don't know it, affluent, very progressive. And then I had to come back up the hill to Journal Square, which is much more working class hub of the city. And it was all, not quite. There was definitely some cheering, but like almost like any given beautiful Sunday, you know, the Giants maybe had a rare victory or something. And I think that was really telling to me that like even in the metro area, we, we still have a lot of people for whom politics is just not an everyday thing. And I think especially given the way that like down ballot things may not have gone the way that a lot of Democrats and progressives wanted, like that was, I think, an important reminder to me about how either maybe we need to energize these people or maybe they're onto something where, like, we don't have to be glued to the president's Twitter feed. So, Matt, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah. And there is all that down ballot stuff and the fact that Trump got so many votes and held so many areas. Uh, you know, this was called around 1130 this morning, Kai, by most of the networks. And at 1146, the New York Times columnist Michelle Goldberg had a column posted and the headline is we are finally getting rid of him don't undersell the triumph of ousting Trump and her lead line is before Democrats begin their reckoning over their apparent failure to take the Senate and their reduced numbers in the House before the intraparty recriminations between centrists and progressives let's take a moment to appreciate what's before us. After four grueling years, Donald Trump has been defeated. So even there in the lead of a column that's headlined, we are finally getting rid of him, are the recriminations and the ambivalences and the figure out what was lost. Uh, that's part of it. It's really interesting. I mean, just think about this for a second. I mean, and other people have pointed these numbers out. But as I say, I mean, Joe Biden already has something like 75 million votes. He's on his way to certainly to 80 million. Barack Obama in 2012 won 62 million votes. In 2008, he won 66 million votes. Uh, and, you know, it's just 
so yes, the, there's these, uh, you know, the, there's the reality of the way our political system is structured that that makes us have to sort of split the hairs over what's happening county by county, um, district by district. There's all these questions about the con- about Congress and state houses, which, by the way, can't be separated from questions about how those maps are drawn in the first place for the last decade to make sure that they don't flip. But just on the the number of American. Of Americans who are registered to vote, who came out to vote at all, and then two who chose Joe Biden. It is a it's quite a historic number, um, and so and and that has been that's something that I I do think I, I you know I have to agree with Michelle that, that we're, we just need to take that in a huge this is a huge number and, of people who voted and a by huge the way number. Kamala Harris. And by the way, that there, I mean, you, you, Brian, you had on, I have lost, again, lost track of the days, but you had on one day this week, I think it was yesterday, you, you asked callers uh, about how they felt in 2016 versus now, um, yes. particularly thinking about gender and, and, um, and people were calling in thinking about, you know, women who were saying with their, with their children and themselves, how they, they, what they felt when Hillary Clinton didn't win, you know. I am certainly seeing already, you know, both on Twitter, but in my own life, just people, my mother, my own mother has texted me this morning about just how resonant the idea that for the first time in history, a woman will be in the, in the White House for the first time in our history. Take that in. Uh, that is that it, it's depressing that it took that long. But how remarkable that that's where we've arrived in history. Ellen in Washington Heights. You're on WNYC. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Brian. How are you? <laughs> okay, how are you is the question. Great. I'm doing well. I am excited about the outcome of today's election. Um, I voted for Trump in 2016. Um, I'm one of the few Republican uh, women in New York City and abstained in, the, in this election. And when it was called this morning, I just sent, felt this overall feeling of relief and elation that we're going to be able to return to appropriate civil discourse in our country and that we can um, like have a leader that can be a role model for our children. So I'm so excited um, to have Joe Biden as our president, and I hope that we can find ways to work together um, in a more productive way. You're not talking like somebody who abstained. Are you happier than you thought you would be at this moment? Yes, yes. Honestly, I thought I was going to be a little disappointed um, because I you know, find myself to be more fiscally conservative and socially liberal. Um, but I feel as if like the cancer that has been in our society has been removed and that we can again be an educated public. And I hope that, you know, the divides that we're seeing, we're able to find this like common ground and have conversations that aren't, you know, fueled with kind of vitriolic hatred on both sides. (laughs) Ellen, thank you so much. I'm going to go right on to another caller, Denisa in Manhattan. You're on WNYC. Hi, Denisa. Hey. Um, hi, Ryan. Glad for uh, to pick up the line for me. I'm just really relieved that, um, that you know, we just, this election's been decided. It's kind of, was, you know, dragged on a bit normally than you're kind of used to in the media. So I'm really glad that, you know, we woke up this morning with an answer. <laughs> 
and that, you know, we can sort of finally put the gears into motion into sort of resetting the White House and making a more functional government with uh, Biden at the helm because, you know, he has the previous relationships with a lot of these, you know, Senate members. So I really think a lot could get done, even if Democrats don't win the Senate. I feel like, you know, if he's able to accomplish some kind of bipartisan you know, legislation, it'll be a sign to the Americans that, you know, it's not broken. You know, we can work together. And, you know, hopefully we can sort of rethink and reframe how we're going to kind of see everything because half the people did vote for Trump. And we need to understand, you know, what, you know, what are the grievances they continue to have against Democrats so that we can work together. So your first emotion was relief, and then you went on to sort of cautious optimism, huh? Yes, because <laughs> I, I feel like Biden is, you know, you know before you know, the Trump era, when we were really thinking about Biden as like the next president before death of his son, Republicans were even also sort of okay with him being on the ticket because they all sort of mentioned, yeah, we work for Biden, we were in the Senate together for many years. So I really felt that those relations are going to be really cultivated when he's the president, uh, president, you know, inaugurated in January. Denise, thank you so much. If you're just joining us, and if you haven't heard any news today, <laughs> I will be the first to tell you that Joe Biden has been projected the winner of the presidency of the United States by the Associated Press and all the major networks, including Fox. It happened around 11.30. And we're taking your reactions, mostly your emotions at this point, because you pretty much know the facts with Kai Wright, host of the United States of Anxiety, both the podcast and the live Sunday night call-in show, Sundays at 6 p.m., right after All Things Considered, here on WNYC. And what, what, what were you thinking about during Denisa? I was having some thoughts, but Kai, I wonder what your thoughts were. Well, you know, I, I think it's funny that, that this, this sort of cautious optimism thing, it, there there is going to be i mean the the elation that people are feeling in the streets right now uh, i i do think we we're going to very quickly move into uh, a, a different space um once reality sets in in terms of what the debates will be like in washington i mean uh, there's tons and tons of optimism about the idea that joe biden will be uh this bridge builder but I every time I hear that I, I I think immediately of Lindsey Graham and um you know who had this wonderful close relationship as it was reported with Joe Biden um and nonetheless arrived at the place where he wanted to uh where he was raising questions about Joe Biden's uh ethics and relationship to his son um in relationship to Hunter Biden um that I thought was a really stark moment in the course of this campaign and and just how 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 clear it was that um, even Joe Biden will have a very very tough tough time uh, finding common cause with the Republican Party as it exists today. Yeah, so you were thinking of Lindsey Graham as Denisa was talking, and I was thinking of Barack Obama, and when he was elected after running on no red America, no blue America, no white America, no black America, all of yeah. that stuff, one America, and what happened right out of the box. The Republicans declared that they had only one mission, which was to see that Barack Obama's presidency was a failure. 
And then Mitch McConnell, once he got control of the Senate two years ago, uh, proceeded to ensure just that. And however much Obama was trying to reach out, and we remember that he adopted a sort of Republican or conservative think tank inspired climate mm-hmm. change plan, cap and trade, which was you know supposed to involve the market very much. Obamacare was a market-oriented approach, setting up these exchanges where the private health insurance companies would would uh, compete, but you know, with the various Obamacare rules, not going for Medicare for all. We could go down the list of other things, and yet he was reacted to as if he was Karl Marx. Yeah, I mean, the other thing to think about if we're thinking about 2008 is, you know, also Barack Obama stepped into an enormous crisis. Uh, and as the, you know, the economy was just in, in free for all. Um, and so there was also the stimulus fight, uh, which is the the fight that I think Joe Biden is going to step into immediately as well is a question of what is going to happen with this stimulus money that, you know, certainly here in New York, we care very deeply about. Um, we just heard the mayor uh, tell you uh, that, you know, that the idea of how we're going to close our $88 billion budget uh, gap is going to be through federal stimulus money uh, now that Joe Biden is going to be president-elect. So uh, it, it's we are it, there's some ways we are right back to the future um, uh, with Joe Biden stepping in in this moment and facing a Republican Party that I think will they you will find will be just as intransigent as it was uh, with Barack Obama. All right. If you opened your windows in Kensington, Brooklyn, a little while ago, you might have heard this. Bells, the accordion, as people were celebrating the projection of Joe Biden as the winner of the presidency of the United States. We'll keep taking your reactions on the phones. Brian Lehrer and Kai Wright, right after this. Right on WNYC, special coverage of Joe Biden being declared the winner of the presidency of the United States based on projections by the Associated Press and the networks. And the last straw, mathematically, I'm not going to dwell on this and try to be, you know, Steve Kornacki or John <laughs> King or Bill Hemmer, choose your network. Um, but there were just enough votes that were now counted in Pennsylvania and Nevada was also called this morning by the networks that it seemed mathematically impossible um, for Donald Trump to catch up. Uh, Arizona is getting a little closer, actually, as they continue to count that that state's votes. And Arizona, if you've been following the events this week, you know that some of the networks have called it, some of the networks have not called it. But the point is this morning that they don't need Arizona anymore to make this projection, because even if Arizona does go to Trump eventually with the math that they're seeing in Nevada, with the math that they're seeing in Pennsylvania and all the other states that were previously called, and this doesn't include Georgia, which is going to go to a recount. This doesn't include North Carolina, which has not been called yet, but seems likely to go to Trump. Uh, So even without all those states, they still have the math to project 
Joe Biden the winner of the presidency. Um, but again, there are lawsuits to come. There is whatever flailing uh, Donald Trump has yet to do. Um, and he tweeted that he really won the presidential election and there's been a lot of fraud. And this will continue in court. So it's not over like it is in other years, but the projections are there and barring a whole lot of fraud that nobody's provided any evidence of uh, being unearthed, the the math is there. And Kai, that's that's one of the things. I mean, sure, there could be some little uh, commissions of fraud here and there, but when we're talking about these tens of thousands of votes in this state, tens of thousands of votes in that state, the, the possibility of electoral fraud having been committed that would actually flip the results when zero has been alleged up until this point, it's just so minuscule. It's really, I mean, it would have to be in multiple states. And so there's two things about that. Number one, both in this election and in all previous elections, there remains no proof of 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 any any demonstrable level of voter fraud. Uh, this has been a, a a true myth that has that came into the lexicon uh, in following the the 2000 election, pushed by it should be said the Bush Justice Department at the time, um, and uh, and to this day there have no one has ever been able to find any kind of meaningful level of voter fraud since then, and certainly not in this election. So there's that fact and the fact that even if you could uh, come up with some, it would have to be in multiple states um, and at a scale. I mean, the, the the lead in Pennsylvania that Biden has is continuing to grow. It's going to be tens of thousands of votes. Uh, it's just going to be very difficult. Um, but on that note, I'm also I, I'm just kind of scanning the news to see what, what what's coming up in terms of what will happen from the rest of the Republican Party. Apparently, Jeb Bush, the New York Times is reporting Jeb Bush has tweeted to congratulate um, uh, Joe Biden. Not that uh, uh, the modern Republicans care anything about the Bushes, but um, low energy, uh, low energy. Jeb Bush has said congratulations. Um, the uh, in Michigan, uh, uh, Representative Fred Upton, congr- uh, a, um, a congressional Republican, uh, has said the election is over um, and congratulated Joe Biden. Uh, that's just notable because it is someone who is in office as a Republican. Um, but at the same time, apparently, Senator Joss Hawley, uh, Missouri Republican, has said that, um, nope, it's not settled. Uh, and the media do quote the media do not get to determine who the president is. The people mm. do, which is true. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, uh, but uh, the 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 math is 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 quite clear. Well, there have already been a handful of lawsuits um, filed and rejected by the courts. So we'll see how quickly. This goes, and I really as, don't know. As we should note, in those lawsuits, in none of which, none of them have presented any evidence of, of voter fraud. They're not even really about voter fraud. They've been about transparency and the ability to to uh, watch the count. Uh, even in those suits, there had, the, the Trump campaign has yet to present any evidence of its claim of voter fraud. Robert and Queens are on WNYC. Hi, Robert. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm very proud to be an American, and I'm sure everybody in, in the studio and other places that are listening to this broadcast are also proud to be an American. I like what happened with the way things were put in check, but I don't like the way 
things went in the long run. It's very frightening. First of all, we're all humans. That's the race we belong to. We don't belong to a label that people assign to us. But that aside, I really want to say that the mixed emotions that I'm feeling right now are hinged on what do we do in the future. That's what my mixed emotions are hinged on. It has nothing, very little to do with all of the blah, blah, blah that just took place. Because I'm worried about our future as humans right now. Regarding I'm a what? Black American. Go ahead, Robert. Regarding the way we settle things, the way we try to co- overcome problems. That's what I'm worried about. This is a good system. I'm not talking against the system. If we didn't have this, imagine how chaotic it would be right now. So I have no qualms about what what took place. It's just the way it dragged out in different ways. We have no business having a person that could walk virtually walk in off the street at 16 Pennsylvania Avenue and he became president. We have no business allowing that. But hindsight is 2020. And and hindsight. I'm worried about our future as human beings right now. I, be, I hear you, Robert. I'm going to move on and get some other folks in. Robert, thank you very much. And I'm going to pick up on what you said and play a clip of Joe Biden that I think is meant to address it. Um, because, Kai, Robert, you know, was expressing concern for how we relate to each other and how we solve each other's problems and go forward as human beings uh, in, in, in what has been such a divisive time. And... Biden, at least in his rhetoric, is trying to come right out on day one. And this was really last night. So you could say day minus one (laughs) and say how he's going to approach bringing the country together again. We have to remember the purpose of our politics is in total, unrelenting, unending warfare. No, the purpose of our politics the work of the nation isn't to fan the flames of conflict, but to solve problems, to guarantee justice, to give everybody a fair shot, and to improve the lives of our people. We may be opponents, but we're not enemies. We're Americans. And Kai, we'll see how far that goes. And I want to get your thoughts on that. Now, obviously, we were just talking about how obstacles were thrown up to Barack Obama when he tried to reach across the aisle and lots of other things. But what a contrast, right? Because Trump made no bones about it. His method of operation every day was to wake up, identify an enemy, go out and do public relations about vanquishing that enemy. And And Joe Biden is starting as the opposite of that. That's right. And it's, you know, and it was heartfelt. You, this, this is one of the things that I think has been true about this campaign and that has helped Joe Biden since all the way back in the Democratic primary, you know, is that 
I, you, you have to accept that he really believes this, that this is that those are not, you know, that this is not political positioning for him, that he genuinely believes uh, that he has a genuine empathy for the full of the country and that he wants to be a leader of the full of the country. And that comes through from him that has come through for him for him for a long time. And people react to it strongly. And I think the question, the political question moving forward will, will is will that belief, will that genuine belief in, in the in the power of unity and the power of our institutions, will that be a strength or a weakness for Joe Biden as president in the world in which we live right now? You know, so will that allow him to build the power he needs to actually lead or will that prevent him from doing from engaging in the kind of conflict to the death? Well, not to the death. I'm sorry. But well, for, you know, I mean, if we look at the coronavirus, but conflict conflict uh, that the Republican Party uh, has at least over the last 12 years been willing to engage. Anil in Vancouver, Washington. You're on WNYC. Hello from New York, Anil. Hi, how are you? I'm Brian. I'm so excited to be on today. I've always been a big fan of you and listening forever. So <laughs> that's my daughter. Glad you're there. To say and what's your daughter's name? A, Anissa. Anil and Anissa. Three years old. That's a household. Hi, Anissa. You're on the radio. <laughs> hi, Anissa. You want to say hi? She's also a big fan of Bernie Sanders, and we've been uh, been supporting Bernie for a really long time and uh, really excited about this upcoming uh, president-elect Joe Biden, just because, you know, our our country has been moving terribly towards the right and towards uh, corporate uh, corporate welfare, as we like to call it, and being number one in billionaires and number one in health insurance debt and COVID-19 cases, and I guess at this time we are very excited that we can at least make some changes uh, for the people and for the workers, like myself and my wife. We're both uh, employee-based doctors. My wife works for the Veterans Hospital, and I work for a community hospital in Longview, Washington, which is close to Portland, Oregon. And we're really excited to see that Biden hopefully can work with a left Democratic Senate and see that we can make some future uh, movements towards uh, making this country a better, more united uh, place. Kai, you want to talk to Anil? Well, I wonder, Anil, just how you feel, um, you know, as a Bernie Sanders supporter, you know, there was so much reluctance to get behind Joe Biden early in this early in the Democratic primary. It was. uh, just kind of it comparing really yourself then and now. Yeah, I have to say that, you know, when we first started, I guess when 2016, 2015, when Bernie started running for president and had an unsuccessful attempt in 2016 and then another unsuccessful attempt this time, it was it was heartbreaking. It was just so heartbreaking when uh, when we started voting towards South Carolina went for Biden. And I mean, all of our hearts broke, but. I have to say nowadays that we are potentially getting a Democratic Senate and being able to work with them, we will actually make some change. And I was really excited even more so to see that Bernie was on top of Biden. You know, he really wanted to see Biden pull through at the end. And I, I know that it is heartbreaking that Bernie is not going to be our potential candidate, but at least we can work with Bernie and other progressives in the uh, Senate and Congress to make real change for our country. And you know, Anil, that one of the ways that Trump was running 
was to say it's really Bernie Sanders, it's really AOC and the rest of the squad who are going to call, control Joe Biden. Uh, and these are going to be real tensions in the Democratic Party. And you, in a very friendly way, are kind of laying out the beginning of that, right? You're going to be very disappointed in Joe Biden. Maybe you're even going to take to the streets um, if he doesn't go far enough on health care, if he doesn't go far enough on the climate, Right. Of course, you know, and that's how he's got to go. He's got to have to listen to us, you know, at least you'll listen to the Black Lives Matter movement and the, the climate change protests, you know, as opposed to totally shut us down or bring the National Guard into our protests and our movements, you know, at least you'll be able to be open to that. And we're, we're, we're willing to work with you. We're willing to work with him and we're willing to work with them. So I have to say that, yes, it's going to take a really long time, maybe a decade or two, but at least at this time, we're at least moving in the right direction as opposed to the wrong one. And Neil, thank you very much. And Kai, I'm really thinking about the streets and the sounds and the the people uh, outside anybody's window and the people who are actually the ones outside (laughs) the windows of the people who are staying home, because what have the streets been in New York City over the last few nights, they haven't been this sort of semi-joyous anticipation of Joe Biden winning, which seems to have been inevitable for days now. They've been, for the most part, racial justice and other justice protests on the streets of New York. And so what are we going to see tonight? You know, Are we going to see victory marches by Democrats or are we going to see protest marches to tell Joe Biden, hey, don't forget, we're here and we mean it? Well, who knows? I mean, I think we're going to see all of the above for the coming months, actually. <laughs> um, you know, uh, one of the things that's just been notable about this year is just in this city and in every other city, people are in the streets. You know, it's funny, you know, over the years, you, you we, there's this thing that people always say when they're frustrated with the political moment. When are people going to take to the streets? When, when are we going to how are people going to take this laying down? <laughs> well, I'd say 2020 was the year um, that mm. people took to the streets. And um, so I I think you're going to see all of the above. And I, I I will say that there is also a big question about how NYPD is going to react to whatever happens in the streets, um, because that, as we know, has been a source of tension uh, throughout this year uh, and remains as such. And, um, you know, I do imagine there will be a lot of people out with very high emotions tonight. And um, and 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 let us hope that. Um, that, that 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 we don't see the kind of conflict between the police and those people that we have seen in the past of this year. Micheline in Floral Park. You're on WNYC. Hello, Micheline. Hello, Brian. Thank you so much for taking my call. I listen to you every day um, from Monday to Friday. Nobody called me. Nobody asked me nothing to do before 12 o'clock. <laughs> Brian, I'm, I'm I honored. just called you to... Yes, I just call you to tell you how happy I am to uh, to celebrate. Oh my God, Joe Biden, President elect. I am a sixty-eight years old retired nurse. I am. I became blind in two thousand eighteen, and I went to vote on uh, uh, the first day, the first Saturday. I went to work with my daughter. My back was hurting. My chest hurting. Everything. Five hours and 
five minutes. I am so happy that all my bone now was hurting how happy and singing mm. hallelujah. The mm. people impeach President Trump. What the Senate couldn't do, uh-huh. the people doing it. Impeach, impeach. Thank you so much. <laughs> Micheline, thank you so much. Yeah, I guess in a certain way, Kai, it's an impeachment. What a powerful idea, I have to say, that is, you know, to, to hear someone, and I think that's the emotion we're seeing in the streets, you know, to hear someone who stood in line five hours, you know, um, and that, and we saw that in certainly, in, in certainly urban areas and black communities uh, all over the country, uh, that this was yet again an election where people where black people in particular had to do extraordinary things in order to cast our votes. And, um, you know, to then see your vote, uh, as, uh, as she said, um, heard, um, and feel like that you were able to do the work that the institutions, the, the other institutions of democracy weren't able to do before you. That's, I can imagine how that would be, um, so powerful. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have heard her, her message. Uh, I will say quickly that we, there is also a um, statement from uh, President Obama. Former President Obama has issued uh, a statement uh, congratulating Vice President-elect, or President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Uh, he says, among other things, we're fortunate that Joe's got what it takes to be president and already carries himself that way. Because when he walks into the White House in January, he'll face a series of extraordinarily challenges no incoming president has ever, ever has. A raging pandemic, an unequal economy and justice system, a democracy at risk, and a climate in peril. So uh, uh, from, coming from a president who, who also stepped into uh, quite a remarkable moment in our history and challenging moment in our history, uh, Barack Obama says uh, Joe Biden will face a harder one. Brian Lehrer and Kai Wright taking your phone calls here this hour after Joe Biden has been projected the winner of the presidency of the United States by the Associated Press and all the networks, including Fox, as we take your phone calls reacting to that at 646-435-7280. And here's a caller, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. Senator, is that you? Uh, really you? <laughs> yes. Yes, we are celebrating in my house right now. We just opened some wine. We made a cheese board. There's real <laughs> celebration happening here. <laughs> so how do you feel? Everyone's really happy. I feel so excited. I feel like this is a moment when the country finally came together and did something extremely meaningful for, for the future of this country. And I see relief on the horizon. Uh, people need a president who cares about them, who has empathy for everyone. And I thought uh, Joe's speech uh, was so helpful because he's like, I'm president for everyone. And that's what we needed to hear for four years and never came out of President Trump. So this is a meaningful moment and one of true celebration for every American that we will be able to restore what's been lost. We'll be able to rebuild the economy. We'll be able to help people get the health care they need and make sure we, that we, we absolutely take on this COVID epidemic effectively so I have so much hope today. I'm very excited about the future. And I'm so excited for my friend Kamala Harris. Uh, she is, it is a seismic shift in American history. And I'm so excited about it. I think she will be a role model for women and girls worldwide forever. I saw someone speculating on TV the other day that you might be named defense secretary. 
Yeah, probably not. But I love serving in the, in the Senate, and I'm going to be the go-to person for Joe and Kamala to get things done and to really help people. And we need good job training programs, better health care programs. We need to get national paid leave done. So I have such a big agenda that I'm super happy to do it in the Senate and continue to fight for all New Yorkers. Kai, you want to jump in with something for the senator? Well, I, I, I think we have to ask what, you, what you're feeling in terms of this idea that uh, President-elect Biden will be able to work with a Senate if it is divided. Uh, we, we have the runoffs coming in Georgia, but uh, right. at, at minimum, it'll be a razor, at best, it'll be a razor thin majority if you are able to, yeah. to gain a majority. Uh, well, the thing f- that's interesting about the Senate is that it's extremely bipartisan. We literally work on a bipartisan basis every day. And our biggest thorn in our side is that, that Mitch has been unwilling to let us vote on anything. And I think whether that was because he was afraid of President Trump or only would do President Trump's agenda, that's going to change. And so hopefully the existing senators can outmaneuver that and just literally keep delivering good bipartisan legislation and then demand a vote on it. Um, I still believe Georgia is in play. I think we have two opportunities to get those two more seats that we need. And all hands are going to be on deck in Georgia. And I just want to publicly thank Stacey Abrams for dedicating the last four years of her life to registering every voter in Georgia and creating the infrastructure to make sure everyone's vote was counted and everyone's voice was heard. Uh, That is absolutely something that she's accomplished by sheer will and the help of millions of people Uh, all in it to make a difference. And I think all hands on deck in Georgia and we have a shot. Uh, But if whether we win or lose, we will govern and we will find the will to bring people together to govern. Senator, you sound almost downright giddy. Uh, (laughs) I'm so happy. (laughs) But before we let you go, there is the reality that the networks and the Associated Press don't actually get to decide the presidency. The states have to finish counting the votes that have been projected now by the news organizations and certify these votes. And unlike most other previous presidential elections, there are going to be legal challenges. I know you're aware that President Trump's reaction, and for listeners who don't know this, President Trump's reaction, as soon as the networks declared Joe Biden was to tweet, I won the election by a lot, and that beginning Monday, our campaign will start prosecuting our case in court. Right. Well, he has every right to do that, and our court system is built for that. But we have other states that I think will come down for Biden as well. I believe when all votes are counted, we will have Arizona and Nevada, uh, as well as the big three of Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So, yes, the president's entitled to file lawsuits in any place he wants. But so far, uh, at least two judges have rejected his claims, and I believe others will as well. I think he's, I think they're spurious. I, I think they're literally entirely inaccurate, but he has that right and he can do it. But I believe we'll triumph in the courts as well as the ballot box. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, thank you for being a special caller today. Well, God bless you, Brian, and please celebrate for all Americans. Kai, what are you thinking as you're listening to Senator Gillibrand? Quite optimistic, I think, <laughs> in terms of what can happen in the United States Senate. At least, uh, I think it's going to be—I think it's going to be a, a, a very difficult road forward uh, in terms of working with whether whether the Democrats have a 
majority, uh, a slim majority, or uh, are in the minority. I think that we're looking at a very difficult couple of years. Brian Lehrer and Kai Wright will continue to take your calls, folks, right after this. WNYC is supported by New York Presbyterian, New York's top-ranked hospital 20 years in a row and now the number four hospital in the nation, according to the 2020-21 rankings by U.S. News & World Report. Learn more at nyp.org. WNYC acknowledges the support of our corporate sponsors in the business community. In turbulent times, our work delivering news, critical information, and context to our community and the nation is more important than ever. Thank you. Brian there on WNYC with Kai Wright on WNYC. Kai, the host of our United States of Anxiety podcast and United States of Anxiety live call-in show Sunday nights at 6 o'clock. Program note, President-elect, as he's been projected to be now, Joe Biden will address the nation at 8 o'clock tonight. We will, of course, carry that. Kai will do more live talk uh, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock in his usual Sunday night, 6 p.m. slot. Do you know what you're doing yet, Kai, or is it too early with this news? Exactly this. Uh, I will be sitting with Melissa Harris-Perry, and we will be taking your calls, just asking how you feel about your place in this country now. I mean, that was our question, regardless of the outcome of the election. But how do you feel about your place in this country? Um, And how do you feel about the idea of this country in the first place? There's been so much. I mean, I think that's one of the things of the past four years is it's challenged a lot of people just on their the fundamental ideas of the United States and whether or not they add up. Um, whether or not it's something that they feel like they're part of. And so how do you feel about that now? Where do you sit in it? We're going to just open the phones and see what people have to say. Right now we're getting calls from Norway to Grand Rapids, Michigan. So Grand Rapids, stand by. You'll be second. Elsa in Norway, you're on WNYC. Hello from New York. Hello, hello. Wow. To go after New Zealand, it's such an honor. And, um, well, I know I can't, we're just like a little part of Europe and up here in the north, but I kind of wanted to say like thank you from what I know a lot of, a lot of, like from the whole world. And especially, and this is like kind of wanted to hear maybe both Kai and your perspective on this, but I also personally feel an especially, especially big thank you to like perhaps the people that haven't benefited the most. I don't want to generalize because it really takes like a village and it took like every vote out there to go to the polls, but maybe the people that haven't benefited, especially from the bill reform and like the um, Harris, because I also think like Harris is the biggest gift in all this really, but, um, but perhaps the black voters, to speak it frankly, in Philadelphia and in Minneapolis, like the princes and the tough crews and all the people that like maybe were there, stood in the line for all those hours, as well as all the other people. But I just wanted to like send out a biggest thank you to people who don't benefit from the democratic, I mean, quote, in a, a democratic system in terms of the Democrats, perhaps in all these years, but perhaps see a possibility that it will come. So I just wanted to see your point on that. If I'm completely out there <laughs> painting with a too broad brush, which is a term. But I understand where you're but going. Yeah, and, so just, and yeah, and of course, Kai, this is the organizing principle of your show is can yeah. we have a multiracial democracy? That's right. And, you know, and it's it's interesting 
there's all kinds of ways to cut this election from that perspective, right? And and I and, I, and just on the narrow question of sort of what the, the people who have powered this victory, which certainly it has been black, Latino, um, uh, young voters in urban areas around the country. That has been true for every time a Democrat has won for a while, but it's quite, it's the numbers show that it's quite starkly the case this time. Um, what um, their relationship to the Democratic Party, uh, after having done that. And I think one interesting way to think about that in sort of looking into the future is, is what's happening in Georgia. You know, um, Senator Gillibrand mentioned Stacey Abrams uh, and that she had spent the last four years trying to turn out every vote. She's actually spent about a decade doing that. Um, I've interviewed her a few times about this. And, you know, it has been not always with the support of the Democratic Party. Uh, the party, the National Party, has not always been a f- friend of Stacey Abrams. They have not always wanted to invest uh, in the South in the way that she has now forced them to do. And the question then now is, does that create a whole new voting block uh, in places like Georgia? Same thing with Latinos in Texas and, and Arizona that the party has to be more responsive to. I said Grand Rapids would be next. By the way, Elsa, thank you. I don't know that we've ever gotten a call from Norway before. <laughs> Didn't President Trump say, why can't we have more callers from Norway? Or something <laughs> like that. Craig in Grand Rapids. You're on WNYC. Hi, Craig. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. I, I, first of all, I don't mean to be Dudley Downer, but hell hath no fury like a, a Donnie boy scorned. And the guy's going to be in office 11 and a half more weeks. And people are dancing in the streets. And you know what? I, I feel like going out there myself, but they're dancing to no music. Um, um, you know, I feel like saying, you know, everybody should take two Prozac and call back on Tuesday. Um, Are you saying because of the court challenges yet to come before it's really over, or are you saying because of what Trump might do in his remaining weeks in office, presuming that he lost? You know what? The guy on his best days is unhinged, and he's facing significant prosecutions once he's out of office. If he's going down, He is going to, the potential for him to wreck havoc is significant, and that's just point one, and I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. Kai, what do you have to say about that? Well, I I think you're right. Um, And I think a lot of people are very concerned about this. You know, um, uh, we have a unique political system in which somebody which there are a couple of months in between the election and the actual transition of power and an enormous number of things can happen. And, you know, anybody who has followed the reporting of, you know, say, uh, Andrew Bernstein and Ilya Meritz in our um, Trump Inc. podcast knows that the history of Donald Trump is that he is he does not lose quietly or easily um, that he uh, does does destroy things on his way to a loss. And so that raises a lot of questions. Yes, I think there's a lot of people concerned about it. Leela in Park Slope, you're on WNYC. Hi, Leela. Um, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, so I'm feeling so many emotions right now, but I'm like the most overwhelming one is that 
that we're going to have our first woman, like a female vice president. And as a female in society, I know that it's, it's very exciting that there's this, that Kamala is our vice president now. And it's just like, it's overwhelming that we're going to finally have this. And it's almost sad that we're excited about this because it shouldn't be a question, but it's really exciting. So, yeah. Leela, thank you very much. Katie on the Upper East Side. You're on WNYC. Hi, Katie. Yeah, hi. Thank you. Um, great chat, by the way. <laughs> um, I think I resonate other callers. I'm very excited here. I can finally tell my kids that they, they have role models. They're going to have role models as a president or vice president. Um, I, I do kind of like that cautionary tale that you guys were talking about earlier with Biden. Um, you know, we don't understand Trump supporters. I never have. I, I had a few close friends that ended up being Trump supporters, and, and they were a puzzle to me. I, I think they're a puzzle to a lot of us on the other side, right? <laughs> so I'm just hoping that Biden makes an attempt to really also understand them. It looks like there's quite a few of them in the country, and um, I think we just don't understand. We don't we don't understand where they come from. I mean, you know, you know, Trump is racist, bigot, bully, all this stuff that that we condemn, you know, um, in our society, and he has followers that that are tolerant of of this type of thing, of you know this type of behavior. So I think um, Biden should definitely take the time to understand. What, what where they come from there, there's something there there's a disconnect there mm-hmm. that pollsters don't even understand them but somehow we don't even ca- <laughs> capture them when they're pulled so so um and then again that that's just my i guess my worry on the other side that right. that um, we're going to have future elections where where this group is still going to feel that that somehow the government is failing them because that's what i, I feel like that's what trump kind of promoted right that the government is failing them and Katie, I'm going to leave it there because uh, this hour is about to end. NPR special coverage continues with other hosts coming up. Kai Wright in our last minute. I mean, Katie's ambivalence, Katie's mix of emotions says so much right now. Yeah. President Trump has never promised a peaceful transition of power, you know, is now when he tells the Proud Boys to stop standing back. Um, you know, I mean, we could go to that scary dystopian vision of the next uh, few weeks, or it could be a lot easier than that. And then, of course, as we've been saying all hour, there are lots of tall orders to come. 30-second last thought. Well, 70 million people voted for Donald Trump as of last count. So uh, there are indeed a number of people who still believe that uh, his message is a powerful one. And those people will be here regardless of who's president. So we, we will still be in this very same debate. Kai Wright, host of the United States of Anxiety. Listen to him. Continue this conversation live tomorrow night at 6. I'm Brian Lehrer. I'll be back Monday morning at 10. We thank our producers who jumped on on a moment's notice once this news broke. Megan Ryan, Lisa Allison, Zoe Azalea, Mary Croak, and Matt Mirando at the audio controls. Our coverage continues from NPR.